One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. Today, we got a very interesting subject. Let's just jump straight into it. I have with me Manish Chowdhury from Kahoot. We're going to talk about Seller Fulfilled Prime. SFP, as it is known, it's actually a national news item. So a lot of interesting things to cover, things that you can be aware of. Maybe you can leverage it now or maybe in the future. So Manish, welcome. Scott, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So all my brief experience will probably tee into what you're going to talk about. There was a few different FBA programs. Like this is like 2016, 2017. There was like FBA on-site. So like Amazon's always tried to expand the capabilities of sellers to leverage Prime or FBA. So that's the background. And that's when they opened up the Seller for Prime program in 2015. It is the most demanding fulfillment program in the U.S. by any stretch. And obviously, the U.S. leads the world with respect to free and fast shipping. And then it was so popular, but in 2019, they paused it. They were not allowing anyone new to be enrolled. And as you yourself know, that merchants can get suspended very, very quickly. And then October 1 of this year, just six weeks ago, they finally reopened the enrollment to the Seller Fulfill Prime program after a four-year gap. So, but it, it, there's been a number of changes to that program, and I can go over them with you. So what are, first of all, uh, before we go into changes, what are the requirements? And I'm only going to cover the, the most important requirements. There is a lot of them. So if you're a seller for full prime, first of all, what's the difference? You can ship from your warehouse, the product, or from 3PLs, basically merchant fulfilled, as opposed to sending inventory to FBA. Number two, obviously your cost structure will change and will be different than FBA. FBA charges your fixed fee per SKU. So storage limits, there are no such real storage limits because now you're working with your own warehouses as opposed to Amazon. And once you have this infrastructure set up, you can utilize that fulfillment capabilities for all your orders from all channels. So if you have seller fulfilled prime capabilities with your warehouses, now you can ship, uh, you can turn on the fast shipping badge on Walmart and others. So what are the primary performance requirements for Seller Fulfill Prime program? Number one, on-time delivery of at least 93.5% of the orders, meaning at least 93.5% of all your orders must be delivered on or before the promised delivery date made by Amazon on the website at the time of checkout. Second, Valid tracking rate for at least 99% of your orders, meaning you cannot just send a bogus tracking number, try to trick Amazon. You must provide valid tracking, meaning you've shipped the item. Historically, I've known many sellers, they're trying to trick Amazon. They will send the shipping and tracking information a lot earlier than actually when the product ships. Amazon has caught on to that. Not a good idea. You'll get kicked off. Amazon will detect that. Order cancellation rate. You cannot wing it, meaning you don't put items on Seller Fulfill Prime if you don't have them in stock, because if you cancel more than one out of 200 orders, you will be violating their cancellation rate uh, policy, which is a maximum of 0.5%, meaning only one out of 200 orders. That one's actually a lot harder than you think. Yep, because uh, things can go wrong. You know, you have your last mm-hmm. unit, you got to have buffers, meaning this is, you need to have amazing technology, as you know, Scott, and you been doing this a while there's sorry is the word that does not exist in amazon's dictionary you cannot right. Sorry to amazon right 
The most important thing, delivery speed metrics. This is what trips everyone or most of the sellers. I will elaborate on that a little bit later, but essentially Amazon requires you to meet certain delivery speed metrics for based on the products of different size tiers. Standard size, you're expected to ship, maintain a delivery speed metric of one day or less for 30% of the time and two day or less for 70% of the time. So essentially all your orders have to ship in one or two days. Very, very hard to achieve because these metrics are misleading. Most sellers don't get it. They don't understand how it's calculated. I always understood that like, okay, orders that happened before noon or like maybe it was like one or two o'clock in the afternoon, those actually have to go out that day. Yes, now that is 2 p.m. So Amazon requires you to maintain a minimum cutoff time of 2 p.m., at least on weekdays. So if you're not doing 2 p.m., 2 p.m. local warehouse time, you must ship out those orders at least Monday through Friday the same day. So what does this delivery speed metrics mean? So I'll give you a very simple example. We all have seen the Amazon product details page. And on that product details page, you will see next to delivery, when will your product arrive? Free delivery, if it says tomorrow, order within 26 minutes. That means if I buy this order today, I expect it to be delivered tomorrow. Not that you're going to ship it tomorrow or it's going to, it must be delivered tomorrow. That's the promise that's made to the customer. So this particular example qualifies as what we call one day promise. So this will contribute to your one day metrics. It's all based on page views. Sellers often confuse that it's based on how, hey, I ship my orders within one day. No, this metric is based on page view. So to continue elaborating on that, so that product page, let's say you looked at that page or the customer looked at that page before your cutoff time, we'll just call it 11 a.m. on Monday. That means you're gonna ship that order on Monday. And if it arrives on Tuesday, that meets your one day delivery promise, which obviously also meets your two day delivery promise. Mm -hmm. However, the same identical page, let's say the customer or the shopper is looking at that at 7 p.m. on Monday. Obviously, it is past the cutoff time. You cannot ship that order that same day, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., whatever you want to call it. So that order is going to ship Tuesday. The customer is looking at that on Monday. It's going to ship on Tuesday. And let's say the product is going to arrive on Wednesday. It does not meet one-day promise. It meets, it meets two calendar day promise, so it counts towards your two-day metrics. Now, things get even worse on weekends. So let's say the same identical page Shopper is looking at that on Saturday at 7 p.m. And if you're not operating on Sunday, which most sellers are not, and carriers don't pick up on Sundays most of the time, nine, so that product is going to ship on Monday, it's going to arrive on Tuesday, assuming it's a one-day delivery item. It does not meet one-day promise or two-day promise because that Saturday page view will only arrive on Tuesday. So it's three calendar days. So you get no points towards your page view metrics on one day and two day. And this is the kind of stuff that trips most of the sellers because you can't control where your page views are coming from. And this is how this program becomes very difficult because let's say you're operating your same day cutoff time for shipping is 2 p.m. local warehouse time. So all page views that are happening after 2 p.m. through midnight because till the day rolls over, those will not count towards your one-day metric. Those will all count towards your two-day. We have a very, very awesome webinar with screenshots, with graphics on our website. If people are interested, they should hop over to kahoot.ai. 
go on the resources section and webinars, you can see all this visually. Those are the requirements. And then, uh, Scott, we're happy to dive in. So who do you think like Snowfulfilled Prime is the best for? Like, I feel like it's expensive to ship that fast. Let's just say like a supplement, you know, yeah. like a, a two pound, one, a one pound little like jar. Like how much would that cost with Snowfulfilled Prime? Yeah, so Snowfulfilled Prime if it's a one pound item, it's a smaller item, then that will be classified as standard size. Amazon has multiple size tiers and their SFP metrics are based on the size tier. So obviously if you're selling a sofa set, you're not expected to deliver that in one day. So Amazon makes those program requirements based on size tier. For standard size items, you're expected to do one day 30% uh, uh, page views and two-day, 70%. So right. for size items, you need at least four strategic warehouses, fulfillment centers, in order to achieve that. And the economics vary greatly. What is SFP great for? You know, the way to look at SFP is not just trying to compete with FBA. You know, this is about if you have an omni-channel, multi-channel operations, a sales, you know, you have a Shopify site, you're selling on Walmart, other marketplaces, Imagine what this is going to do to all these other channels. I mean, every seller wants to make more money selling directly to the customer from their own DTC site. So once you have this infrastructure set up, so you cannot simply compare FBA cost versus your SFP cost for a per unit basis, strictly looking at Amazon. And even those numbers are change very dramatically. FBA is obviously much more affordable for smaller, lighter items, one pound or less or two pounds. Obviously, the minute you go into the bigger, bulkier items, the once you go into the oversized category, the items that are 20 pounds or more, and I say 20 pounds is a dimensional weight, not your product weight, because if it's bulky, it still may only weigh seven pounds, but it will be classified as a 20 pound item when you apply the dimensional weight. And in that case, everything changes, the equation changes, all of a sudden SFP becomes more cheaper. It becomes cheaper and more affordable because we know that we, have, we are doing this every single day. So it's a myth that FBA is cheaper across the board. Uh, there are many other product categories where SFP makes a lot of sense. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. but like, it's still kind of hard. I like that like there's some interesting, you know, product types where the numbers kind of flip. Also, I think the numbers flip if you do a lot of multi-unit shipments. Exactly, exactly, because uh, Amazon, uh, they've made some changes to the pricing structure. However, obviously, if you're trying to ship a eBay order through FBA, it's classified as MCF, multi-channel fulfillment, and you pay a different fee. There are other challenges, right? I speak with sellers every day. I can't get my inventory into FBA. They're taking forever. I can't control the packaging. My return rates are ridiculously high because FBA, no FBA agent, support agent ever said, hey, can you not return this item? They just say, okay, let's just do it and let's get it out as quickly as possible. So all those things, I mean, if you can reduce your return rate by 2%, 3%, what can that do to your bottom line? So if you are thinking about SFP, you got to take the entire total cost of ownership into consideration, all aspects, all channels, you cannot be myopic. Otherwise, you're missing the big picture here. Interesting. Now, this is in the news a little bit because, I mean, for one, Amazon considered charging 2% extra commission for SFP. 
then they reversed that decision. Then another news item is that uh, the FTC has filed a suit against Amazon for making sellers so reliant on it that you can't succeed on their marketplace without using Amazon's supply chain. Is self-fulfilled prime like an answer to the FTC? Be like, well, no, like people can do it on their own. We just want people to have, this is all for the customers. We want them to have products very fast. Yeah, so that's a great point, uh, Scott, that you brought up. Amazon has been under scrutiny by the FTC for years now. And then under Lena Khan, the FTC chair, Amazon had been negotiating and trying to come up with a settlement, which they did not arrive at. And then FTC filed a lawsuit against Amazon last month, I believe. Self-fulfill Prime, their FTC says the Self-fulfill Prime was an incredibly successful program. And despite that, Amazon shut it down in 2019. This was around the time Amazon was building up its fulfillment capacity. So connecting the dots now, you know, when it was convenient for Amazon, they did not have space. They opened up Self-fulfill Prime when they wanted to fill their own coffers and they wanted to fill their own warehouses. They turned it off not allowing more sellers. And obviously Amazon's go-to answer is customer experience. We are customer obsessed. No, they are profit obsessed. You know, of course, yeah, they're <laughs> they are customer obsessed, but they care very deeply about this, what we call coupling. And this is one of the founding concepts of FTC's lawsuit that by forcing the use of one service for sellers to continue to sell on Amazon, which is by far the dominant marketplace, Amazon is a great service. Please don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Amazon. I admire Amazon, but it is also very self-serving. So by requiring sellers to put inventory in FBA, despite all its challenges and the success sellers have had, that was one of the reasons Amazon know the writing is on the wall. They had a similar settlement with the European Union last December, opened up the enrollment because they know the uh, FTC lawsuit was coming. And then they withdrew the 2% fee, which is clearly shows bad intent that you were going to charge a 2% fee. And then because you got a reward from sellers, you backed out. There was no reason to charge 2% fee. There never was a 2% fee before. So those are some aspects of the FTC lawsuit that is going to be, you know, it will take years to unravel. But suffice to say that the program is reopened. Sellers should be enrolling into it right now, even if you're 100% FBA. One thing on Amazon is you cannot keep all your eggs in one basket. You know, you have to continuously evolve. And I have spoken with not less than 100 sellers over the between 2019 and 2023, October 1, that say, hey, I would love to get involved with SLF Full Full Prime, but I cannot even apply. Then had those sellers applied when the program was open, had they got that approval, they would have had it. So resellers should be going out and doing this now and have that reinstated or applied to their account. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. There's a case for just applying, just get there. And because you don't know how FBA will be, this is some optionality. It's you might actually have some products that this like works for or some seasonality that like this works for. I've got a question. Is this program still available where you can turn on seller fulfilled prime for specific shipping regions in the United States? Great question. So a yes and no. Now let's talk about the changes. You know, what, what were the changes to the program? Previously, 
Number one change, Amazon used to, prior to October 1, they used to track on-time shipping, meaning did you ship the order on time? If you shipped it on time, you were good. That was the obligation. However, now they don't care when you ship, they care is the item being delivered on time. So 93.5% of the time you expect it to deliver on time, you can ship in one day, you can ship in two days, it is about meeting the on-time delivery rate. Number two, to directly answer your question, oversized SKUs, the oversized size tiers was available for regional prime in the past. Now, that product must be available for free delivery nationwide, continental US. So you can no longer say, if you're located in California, Scott, you cannot say that I will not ship this product for free to New York, no matter what it costs. However, there are some subtle differences on how what the performance metrics are. You can still create a regional template, but the product must be available nationwide. And then last big change was buy shipping is now optional. So prior to October 1, you were required, you had to purchase the label, the shipping label directly from Amazon using their buy shipping service. And that was another, that's also listed in FTC lawsuit, Amazon again, forcing you to buy your USPS labels through Amazon. We don't know why, yeah. uh, or buying your UPS labels through Amazon so that they can aggregate volume, negotiate better deals, and force the user to collect, take a larger share of the wallet from the seller and mark up those costs. So that is not optional. Those are the big differences. And to elaborate on this regional prime, essentially, so you have to keep into mind, into consideration is for oversized SKUs, you're expected to meet one day delivery target of page views at 10%, meaning 10% of your page views or more should be delivered in one day based on the delivery speed metric promise. And for two days is 45%. So you're talking about close to 55, 60% of the page views must come even for oversized items in two day or less. That is where the challenge comes. And now if the product is available, going back to the same example, you're located in California, the product is available to New York, you cannot control where your page views are gonna come from. So if a lot of page views come from New York and you don't have a warehouse in New York, you are in a tough spot. You're going to not meet your performance metrics. So realistically speaking, if you are shipping oversized item from a single warehouse, it is going to be very difficult, if not impossible to stay on top of Amazon metrics because regional prime has changed. That's insane how the small changes that they've made have kind of ratcheted it up, the difficulty. We couldn't do what we were doing in 2018. We couldn't ship ourselves the way that we were doing that. For the right person, it's a good fit though. What do you feel like the adoption is going to be? I think the adoption is going to be very strong because most merchants today are looking to expand their channels. So this has benefit on other channels like Walmart, eBay, any marketplace that you're selling on Shopify. This is going to, we know, faster shipping does have proven direct correlation with conversion rate. So the way to think about this is it's not just for Amazon, it is for all channels. And you need great technology, you need partners who have done it before, who have a proven experience. This is not something that you try with a 3PL, even if you have a great relationship with them, they don't have the proven knowledge or experience dealing with it because what hasn't changed is you have to ship six days a week 
including Saturday or one of the days of the weekend. That is not optional. You know, we've seen no, I know some sellers who try to trick by turning on, turning off. You know, that's not a way to really succeed long term or at scale, right? If you you can you can get by, but you're living on the edge, you don't know when your metrics are gonna tank, and there's no way to grow your business with well, yeah, sustainability. Yeah. I think if you apply for self-fulfilled crime, it, there's a queue to get in and like it can take you months to still get approved. Well, actually, I believe the enrollment is open. So as soon as you apply for enrollment, okay. will be you'll be immediately start the trial. So self-fulfilled you don't just get the prime badge immediately. You have to prove to Amazon, you have to ship, I believe, at least 100 orders within 30-day time frame using yeah. self-fulfilled prime metrics. So that's how they would qualify you. So even during the trial, it's like if you don't pass the pre-exam, you don't get a shot at the base, you know, so you have to qualify. It's a playoff before you can get into the championship. Yeah, no, you can make a few failures in the trial, but like, are they a little more lenient during the trial for like? No, no. no. Yeah, if anything, if I were them, I would be more aggressive because I cannot compromise my customer yeah. experience. Well, one, then let's just say before you start the trial, you should have your uh, plan in place. And I don't know, it's sounding like a nationwide position is kind of what you need to to do to make this affordable. You need inventory on the four corners of the states to um, so that like your shipping costs, like one, it arrives in time and two, uh, you're not like flying everything. Yeah, I think the, the the way to think about it is like, you know, how what has happened in IT, right? When we use cloud computing, you know, you it took a while for people to readjust their expectation that, you know, the data lives in the cloud, which is, distributed over multiple servers. That's exactly what's happening to fulfillment. And the smart sellers, you know, the, the folks that are listening to your podcast, Scott, they get it. They have to reconfigure their operations because this is the new reality. And of course, you know, we'd love to chat with anyone at Kahoot that uh, if you're, they're looking for guidance, but self-fulfill prime is the future. Call it whatever it is, one day, two day delivery. I don't even want to call it self-fulfill prime. It is the new expectation. And if you as a shopper, if you as a merchant is not doing it, one, you're missing out on an incredible opportunity. What's the point of paying 10, 20% more for your advertising dollars and you're competing when you can alter something else that has a sure shot impact on your conversion and sales? No, I hear you. I think that's very helpful. You know, if you're interested, you know, you can reach out to Manish, learn a little bit more, learn uh, why your product might work, why it might not work. You can avoid some of the uh, the pains that we all have seen. I think just podcast like two or three weeks ago, I did on just all the uh, storage fees that FBA loves to, to stack onto you. Manish, thank you for uh, coming and, uh, you know, sharing some of your expertise, uh, sharing some of the, the very specifics, kind of the, uh, the back and forth that's been going on the uh, nationwide conversation of if, is Amazon, you know, are they playing fair? And we know that they are a great company, but they're also great at help serving themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, this was, I think uh, some of the stats that were brought up in the AMZ innovate conference just a couple of days ago that in 2014, Scott, Amazon's take rate, which is the total share of the GMV. So if you as a seller spent hundred dollars, you collected $100 from 
Amazon would take about 23 to 24 dollars, meaning 23 to 24%, including FBA fees, the bonus, the referral bonus, and, and your other fees. Now that take rate is over 50%, meaning Amazon advertising, then referral fees, then the storage fees that have gone up, continue to go up. That means now Amazon's take rate in less than 10 years is double what it used to be. So sellers are having a really tough time making money because Amazon is taking way too much out of their out of the pie. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's crazy. That's insane. Thank you, Manish, for coming on. A good conversation. And I hope everyone uh, has learned a little bit about uh, some of the uh, evolutions of FBA. One of my favorite programs, but you know, it's not perfect. So let's find the, uh, the other ways to utilize it. Okay. Well, um, with that, we'll wrap up and uh, that's the pod. One, two, three. Yeah.